Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Officially underway. College football is officially two weeks in. And now the NFL season is officially upon us. Happy Monday. Welcome in. It's the Justin Kidder Show with Kev Nash. Live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Mr. Kev Nash, happy Monday. What up, though? Happy Monday. And, of course, you know. <laughs> Congratulations on the victory, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It, it was a lot of hard work. I really prepared for this win. We really had a great practice, and I was really rooting hard. Lost my voice a little bit during the overtime session. But, uh, you know, we got it done as a team. Well, let's just be clear. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, uh, right now, maybe everyone talks about practice. I think lack of practice, lack of preseason. You know, we hate the preseason. Preseason is going to be the theme of the struggles, not just for the Bengals, but for a lot of teams that we'll talk about on today's show. But we welcome you in again. It's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. We're live on, of course, uh, the iHeartRadio app. So that's where you can also listen to the show. You can stream it at wingam.com. Let's see, Facebook, the Justin Kenner Show Facebook page. That's where you can watch the show live. Uh, Twitter at 14. 1410 Kenner, K-I-N-N-E-R, at 1 Kev Nash. I mean, my goodness, I, if, there's no excuse why you can't find a spot to watch the show, ESPN Dayton's YouTube channel. But let's go ahead and open things up. So much to dive into here after week one of the NFL season. Technically, it wraps up later tonight with the Seahawks uh, going up against Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Yesterday, we kicked off the season, of course, with the Sunday morning tailgate show live at Frickers over in Miamisburg. And uh, we always start the show at 1130. We walk you right up to kickoff. And there was still, we were doing what we were doing pretty much all offseason, Kev. The what-ifs. Mm-hmm. The what-ifs. Um, the prognostications. What do we think things are going to look like? How do we think guys and teams are going to perform? Coaches, how are they going to fulfill their duties? And uh, while well, we still have 16 weeks to go and a lot of games left to be played, but for some... One game in, you feel pretty good. One game in, you don't feel pretty good. And even some teams like your Steelers, they get a win, and they don't feel good even about that because with the win came a big loss, and we'll talk about that. Uh, Lots to dive into. First of all, we are definitely going to get into this Bengals-Steelers game kind of to open up. But when you start looking around the National Football League and you start looking around the teams that were most impressive and some of the teams that were most concerning, Kev, I want to open up with just right off the bat, the teams that were most impressive right off the bat, because this will segue right into our Bengals and Browns conversation here in just a moment. The most impressive teams in week one, to me, the Kansas City Chiefs with their dominating win over the Cardinals, Patrick Mahomes, everyone was curious, you know, was it Patrick Mahomes or Tyreek Hill? Was it a combination of both? I think it's safe to say both are very, very good at what they do. But the Kansas City Chiefs, it's more Patrick Mahomes than it is Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill did his thing with the Dolphins yesterday. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense did not miss a beat against a very good defensive Cardinals team. And they dominated the Cardinals uh, in impressive fashion. I thought the second most impressive team this weekend, Kev, was the Minnesota Vikings. A team that both of us had picked to win that division over in the 
NFC and to, to pick them to win it over, of course, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. The Packers looked horrible. They looked uh, miserable. Aaron Rodgers looked miserable. <laughs> but I thought the Vikings looked like a very well-rounded football team. Great quarterback play, explosive weapons in the pass game, complemented by a dominant run game, great offensive line, and the defense has finally caught up with who they are as an offense. And then the most impressive team, other than Kansas City, other than, of course, uh, the Vikings, I thought that the, uh, the, the Buffalo Bills. Um, in fact, I don't think anyone looked more impressive. As good as Kansas City looked yesterday, as good as Minnesota looked yesterday, no one has come close to looking as good as what Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills did in their Thursday night win over the defending Super Bowl champion Rams. The three most impressive teams, without a shadow of a doubt, Kansas City Chiefs, the Minnesota Vikings, and the most impressive team, and already an MVP favorite in Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely. All those teams impressed won big games and had big performances from their star players. You talked about Patrick Mahomes and that offense. I mean, Miko Harmon finally is looking like the guy that they wanted to replace Tariq Hill when they initially drafted him. Yeah. Obviously, Juju got involved in the mix, and Travis Kelsey obviously is balling out. But that defense was able to hold down the Cardinals and Kyler Murray in that offense to 20, 21 points. I was expecting a shootout. I was saying like 45, 44 uh, you know, Kansas City held up their end of the bargain. The Cardinals did not. <laughs> no, they they did not. And with all the talk about the defense, or with the, I'm sorry, with the contract for Kyler Murray, uh, I think that's already a situation that, and we'll talk about the Cardinals coming up here more so in just a moment as far as our teams that were unimpressive. But, so those three teams you agree with? The yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going to go on the, uh, the other side a little bit. I'm going to go like more segment group and players. Um, I will go with the kicker. For the Cleveland Browns, your Cleveland Browns, K. York, he hit a 58-yard field goal, field goal to win the game in his very first game as a professional. That's that's the way you want to do it. And you want to look at the kickers that are in the AFC North. You're going to need a good kicker in the AFC North because you already got you already got um, Tucker at Baltimore, which is the best kicker in the league. You got Boz, who's a good kicker, and you got the kicker from Cincinnati, who's a good kicker. I know he missed some kicks yesterday, no fault of his own, you know, the snapper situation and all that type of stuff, and Minka Fitzpatrick making plays. But this division, you're going to have to make some big-time kicks, and Kay York threw his name into the ring by hitting a 58-yarder on the road to win it. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when your quarterback doesn't turn it over five times and your kicker can actually make kicks. It's amazing what happens, uh, you know, when those wow. couple of what's what I say. Wow, we can't even get through the first segment. What did I say? Can't I didn't even get through the first segment. What? I don't understand. Uh, but uh, yeah, absolutely. On the flip side. Oh, I got one more. I got, got one more. more. I got, got one more. more. Um, things that impressed me, obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Seven sacks, four interceptions, forced fumble, and the leader of that defense is obviously T.J. Watt. He potentially has a torn pec, so he'll probably be out for the rest of the season, but that entire defense may impact plays. And one thing about Minka Fitzpatrick, a lot of talk about his contract. Is he worth the contract? He showed yesterday why he was worth every single penny. Pick six to open up the game. He had uh, 14 tackles. And, you know, the signing of a Miles Jack and the development of a Devin Bush allowed him to go back to the free safety role. Last year, he was playing a lot of box safety, so that prevented him from making plays all over the field. When he first got to the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was allowed to play that free safety, had 
three pick sixes when he showed up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Since then, the linebacking core, namely middle linebackers, has been suspect, and their run defense hasn't been good. Steelers' run defense was outstanding yesterday, which allowed Mika Fitzpatrick to do what he does, just to roam the field and make plays. No, he's not Troy Polamalu, but he's playing that Troy Polamalu role, being a free safety, making plays all over the field. A pick six to start things off, and then to force the overtime, blocking the extra point. Mika Fitzpatrick and that Pittsburgh Steelers defense was absolutely Absolutely outstanding. Yeah, we'll talk more about that Pittsburgh Steelers defense coming up as far as what to expect now with the you know the absence of J.J. Watt without a true indicator yet that I've come across. I haven't seen any update as far as uh, a timetable. Uh, they fear the worst, though. Right. It's a torn peck the way they anticipate he done uh, <laughs> right. for the 2022 season. Um, but he may have done just enough to be able to kind of give themselves a, a, you know, a game head start over the, the favorites to win the division, the Cincinnati Bengals, that's for sure. Flipping over to the, again, you know, the the most disappointing in week one, the most concerning in week one. I think it's all about expectations as well. Um, there are teams that we were questioning what they were going to look like with missing pieces or even the addition of pieces, and then whether teams lived up to those expectations or not. But I thought that the Arizona Cardinals, Kev, you finally signed Kyler Murray. You put all that behind you. There was the big mess with the, the homework clause in his contract, mm-hmm. but they got that taken care of. Now it was just about going out and executing. Look, Kyler Murray was an MVP favorite at, what, about eight games, nine games into the season last year before the epic collapse the same way the Cardinals had that epic collapse in 2020 as well Um, but you know the Cardinals usually are one of the safer yeah. teams to pick uh, in the first couple months of the season, and then for them to come out as flat as they did against a very good Kansas City Chiefs team, don't get me wrong, uh, but you know, if you are the Cardinals and you're trying to convince people that we're not just one of the powerhouses of the NFC, but we're a Super Bowl contender, you proved yesterday, uh, and they, it's an overreaction after week one, possibly, but they didn't look like a Super Bowl contender yesterday. And you can't say it's only week one when people say that they don't look like a Super Bowl contender. As of right now, they don't look like a Super Bowl contender. Because if teams can look dominant in week one without all the excuses of the teams that don't look dominant, that means it's proof it can be done. You know, I get tired of hearing, a, oh, well, you know, we need to let guys gel. We need this. We need that. No, maybe your team does, but the teams that don't are doing really, really well right now, and that's fine. Stop with the excuses. To me, the, the Cardinals, that was a very um, concerning performance uh, in that 44-21 loss yesterday. Kyler Murray, 193 yards, two touchdowns. He didn't turn the ball over, but... There was never any, like, where you never felt like he was about to take control of that game. Patrick Mahomes, you could just tell. That first drive, he was like, all right, Tyreek Hill, deuces, adios, enjoy your time in Miami. This is my team, and this is my time to remind everybody that we were the Bengals kicker away from getting back to our third straight Super Bowl last Mm -hmm. year. Chiefs, they're still very, very good. The second most concerning team in week one to me coming out, is the Green Bay Packers. I thought that that's a team that I still think that we were given the benefit of the doubt to Aaron Rodgers because, oh, it doesn't matter who you throw out there with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> the Packers and Aaron Rodgers will shine. Kev, I, I mean, it's look, you look at Devontae Adams. Him not being on that field, I don't. Uh, he would help big time, but the gap between him and even the second-best wide receiver, him and the best wide receiver on the current Packers roster, is so large that it's not even, you know, it's not even worth mocking at this point. Devontae Adams yesterday, Kev, did you know he had more total yards receiving than the entire, you know, wide receiving core for the Green Bay Packers yesterday? That is alarming. That's not all on Aaron Rodgers. I completely get that. I'm not necessarily blaming him, but at the same time, 
there's only so much you can do. You can't put the best quarterback on the worst receiving roster and expect anything to happen, and that was proof of it yesterday. The reason I have the Packers being the most concerning, Aaron Rodgers has been so dominant for so long, two straight MVPs. The Packers have been great, but for him to come out uh, and still not be able to make anything work with this group is kind of concerning, especially against a team. That is the biggest threat to him and the Packers winning that division, right. and it may not be the that may be the case, and they may not win that division. I think the Vikings are still going to go on and win it when it's all said and done. I and my most concerning team of the weekend, not because I'm a hater. <laughs> Without, I mean, look, that was the best game of the weekend, and I don't know if it, I don't know if it was the most well played game of the weekend. It was an ugly game, but the the Cincinnati Bengals, Kev. That was the mo- they're the most concerning team coming out of week one. Because the Packers, with every concern you had about the Packers heading into week one, it came to fruition. It came to life, right? Like, he doesn't have a Jamar Chase. He doesn't have a Devontae Adams. He doesn't have a T. Higgins or even a Tyler Boyd-level type wide receiver on that unit. Um, he, you, know, you know what I mean, Kev? Aaron Rodgers didn't have anything. So we kind of knew that, man, it can go really, really bad. But we were tuning in hoping to see Aaron Rodgers work magic, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, really prove that he is that special. And he is special. This doesn't change that. But, again, we were expecting more. But the Bengals, they have everything, Kev. They have everything. You have you know, I know T went out hurt early on, but that didn't stop Joe from throwing a pick six to start the game. Uh, Jamar Chase uh, did his thing yesterday, obviously. Tyler Boy, I mean, everyone's there. All right, you had Mixon. Uh, you had the new and improved offensive line. Because Bengals fans, what you forget is just because you add names to your offensive line doesn't mean you actually added talent to your offensive line. They need to gel. They'll gel. They'll be fine eventually. But the, but the Cincinnati Bengals, Kev, that was a bad performance from top to bottom. It wasn't just this guy having a bad day or this guy having a bad day. From the top down, Zach Taylor, that was one of the most embarrassing coaching performances I've ever seen in my life. And I've been a Browns and Cowboys fan for quite some time. And I've seen some embarrassing coaching performances. How you don't even try to challenge the Jamar Chase touchdown late in that fourth quarter, which, by the way, there would be no overtime. There would be no, you know, it would have been a a straight-up victory. We wouldn't even be talking about concerning uh, teams at all when it comes to the Bengals. There's that. Then the punts late in overtime. You know, you want to, they punt with like, what, 11, 12 seconds left on the play clock while the clock was running. You want to eat as much time off of that as possible, and your Steelers needed every second possible to come back and beat the Bengals in overtime. So to me, it, it's just that the coaching was horrible. You're, you know, we talked on Friday. You guys got so mad at me. Is Joe Burrow elite? I said, not yet. Kev said, not yet. He's showing signs of it, but he's not at Josh Allen's level yet. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not at that level yet, but he has shown signs of it. You guys got mad at me. You guys got mad at Kev. One guy said, we, they need two new guys on this show that actually are fans of the hometown team because the last time I checked, I guess they're not the Cincinnati Bengals or the Dayton Bengals. I have no clue who made up that rule, <laughs> but I suggest you stop drinking while making up these rules because that's not a rule. That's not a thing. It doesn't exist. Get over yourself. Bottom line is, we just said he's not there yet, and he proved that we were right, Kev, because you know what? Josh Allen, he wasn't throwing four interceptions. He wasn't fumbling the ball. All right, guys, throw picks. That's fine. Throw picks while trying to make plays, but he was like, I mean, and then you throw the ball 53 times, and you threw the ball 53 times, all probably in the red zone, all at the end of that fourth quarter. My God, how many penalties needed to go against the Steelers, and how many pass attempts into the end zone did you need to win that football game? Elite quarterbacks find a way to win that football game, and Joe Burrow was not elite yesterday. The Bengals were not elite yesterday, but I'll end it with this. The positive spin, if you will, for the soft fans who are upset with me. (laughs) Joe Burrow played the worst game of his career. Zach Taylor coached the worst game of his career. The offensive line was just straight-up garbage, but that's typical. Uh, The defense, you know, did their thing. 
All right, but at the end, but they still let Mitch Trubisky come down the field and put them in field goal range. I will say that in overtime. All of those things happened, Kev, and they still had a bajillion chances to win. So that means even on the Bengals' worst day, even on the Bengals' worst day, they're still in position to win football games. The Bengals will be fine. But they're the most concerning because we heard so much talk about this team not being the one that would fall to that sophomore slump, if you will. Not really a sophomore slump, but that uh, hangover from the Super Bowl, if Super you will. Hangover. It's real. It exists. And it was on full display yesterday, Kev. That didn't look like a team that was in a Super Bowl just about four or five months ago. That looked like a team that was not mentally prepared, physically prepared. The, over, uh, the, the preseason thing, Kev, these guys got to start playing in preseason. You, you, it's football, and if you play football to, to prevent your players from getting hurt, this is what happens. It wasn't just the Bengals. There was a lot of ugly football yesterday. But the Bengals are the most concerning come out of week one, not because I'm a hater, but it's because your coach made two stupid decisions, your quarterback turned the ball over five freaking times, and your kicker, who, by the way, I'm actually a humongous fan of your kicker. I may not be as much now because my team has a kicker now, uh, who I'm a big fan of, but... I'm like, my favorite Bengals player is your kicker. It wasn't all his fault, but come on. It's a freaking extra point. And then it's a field goal in overtime to win it all. Uh, Money McPherson, I think his head's still at the halftime show. <laughs> uh, so you don't think the snapper had anything to do with it? Who cares? I was told I was my quarterback last year had one arm. And I wasn't allowed to use that as an excuse for why he played poor. But you want me to give the long snapper the benefit of the doubt? I ain't say him. I say the long snapper. They didn't have their long snapper. It was a backup long snapper. And I am in the credit-giving business. I'm going to give my Pittsburgh Steelers defense the credit for getting seven sacks, for causing that fumble, and getting four interceptions, and definitely blocking that extra point. As for the concerning teams for me or concerning players, one would be the Tennessee Titans. You're up 13 nothing over the New York football Giants. And then you ultimately lose that game 21-20. to all while A.J. Brown is putting up 10 catches for 155 yards with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, that offense just got super stagnant in the second half, which allowed the New York football Giants to come away with the victory with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley going absolutely crazy. So that's definitely concerning for me because, you know, this is one of those wins that you desperately got to have because that AFC South is going to be tough to win because I think all those teams are pretty equal. So getting that win to starting off and then you look at the AFC uh, South right now, nobody has a win because you got the Colts and they tied and then you got Tennessee lost, Jacksonville lost. So everybody has no wins. Nobody has a win. Everybody's in first place, I guess. You can look at it like that. Um, But the most concerning for me, and this is because he was my MVP going into the season, Derek Carr, three interceptions with the Raiders. Uh, Yeah, you can look at Devontae Adams. He got his numbers, but it seemed like he was only focused on throwing to Devontae Adams. I mean, you got... Waller out there. You got Hunter Renfro out there. You got a lot of other targets out there that you could spread the ball around to. But it just seemed like he was like, oh, man, I got Aaron Rodgers, number one guy. Let me play like Aaron Rodgers and let me force feed Devontae Adams, which cost them three interceptions. And that ultimately cost them the game versus the Chargers. So Derek Carr, even though you're my MVP this season, you just had a terrible game, one with three turnovers, and you cost your team the game. Yeah, and uh, you know that was still a good game against Justin Herbert. The Chargers, someone said I should have included the Chargers in the most impressive of week one. The Chargers looked good. Justin Herbert looked good. Um, but 
you know, I don't think that, like, you know, I didn't put the Chiefs as most impressive on my list because they won. I put them on the list because of how they won. They dominated in defense and offense. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bengals yesterday dominated on defense, but they were lacking everywhere else. Um, and by the way, you get an incomplete with defense because you're going up against Mitch Trubisky. Uh, you know, I don't know how well you played defensively yesterday. Trubisky is not a very good quarterback. He's not going to beat you, as you saw yesterday. But, man, you need miracles for him to lead you to wins. And it took everything. I mean, the Bengals did everything possible for your team to win yesterday. But to be fair, your team did everything it could to put them in position to win. Uh, but it was a bend, don't break. I thought both the, the Bengals and Steelers defense, kudos to both of them. They at least made that entertaining because the offenses were horrible. And let's be clear, of all the AFC North teams, I didn't think Lamar, who threw three touchdowns yesterday, threw for 213 yards. He didn't kill it on the ground either. He didn't have to. He did exactly what he needed to do for his team to win. There is not one quarterback. I mean, look, Joe has the highest ceiling of everybody in the AFC North right now. I still think he's going to be okay. But I've been saying it from the beginning. He's good. He's very good. But he's not Justin Herbert. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes. All right? He's not these guys. And that's okay. Uh, but he's still very good. He just wasn't very good yesterday. You've heard what we have to say. Now I'm curious what you guys have to say. 518-1410. 518-1410. A lot of feedback coming into the chat section uh, on Facebook, on the uh, Justin Kinner Show Facebook page. We always read your comments. We pull them into the show. But if you want to have your voice be heard as well, you can give us a call. 518-1410. 937-518-1410. Give us a call. Like I said, Bengals fans, you think I'm going to beat up on you? I'm not. But, you know, you can't. You, it's okay to be critical of your team. You could be critical. That was embarrassing yesterday on your offense. That was four turnovers, four, I'm sorry, four interceptions, five total turnovers from Joe Burrow. And last time I checked, I keep hearing all people today make these excuses. Oh, well, you know, the long snapper's why they lost. The coaching's why they lost. Well, last I checked, Zach Taylor, he didn't throw one interception yesterday. The backup long snapper didn't throw five inter- or four interceptions and fumble it yesterday. That was all on Joe Burrow. Had Joe Burrow thrown for 330 yards and four touchdowns and, and did his thing, and the long snapper caused them the game at the end, you wouldn't hear a peep out of me. I'd be like, that's unfortunate because we know Money, Money McPherson is money. That is on the long snapper. However, this was on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, it's his responsibility to overcome shortcomings at backup, long snapper, really. Blame Joe Burrow, blame Zach Taylor. Those are the biggest uh, reasons they lost yesterday. 518-1410. We'll be back. The Justin Kidder Show with Kev Nash. Presented by Brad Mays with Home Experts Real. Coming up in the next hour, Kev Nash and I will give you our week four high school football top for uh, top five performers here in the Miami Valley. Uh, of course, last week we had uh, the Trotwood Rams and the Alternites on Thursday night, but uh, a lot of big games that went on last Friday night and Saturday over the weekend. A lot of big-time performances, so we'll give you our top five individual performances in the Miami Valley coming up here um, in hour number two. But we opened up the show with reaction to everything that went down in the NFL week one, technically week one, still active as tonight mm-hmm. the, the, the Broncos and the Seahawks will square off to round out week one, and then all attention will be shifted towards week two. Um, but my my goodness, uh, you know, a lot of impressive, you know, we talked about who was most impressive, who was least impressive, um, you know, for as far as the least or the most impressive, I said, look, without a shadow of a doubt, the I think the Buffalo Bills looked the most ready. They looked the most physical and the most prepared on offense and defense. Josh Allen looked perfect. Uh, you know, I love what he's doing and that Bills offense is doing. The Bills looked great. Patrick Mahomes, how is he going to look? 
coming out, you know, without, um, you know, Tyreek Hill. The last time we saw them, they were dominating the Bengals in the first half of the AFC title game and then a complete meltdown in the second half. And that was with Tyreek Hill. What would they look like without him? Well, they looked unstoppable yesterday. Um, and it was just the style of throws, the, the flair that Patrick Mahomes plays with. No one else in the league comes close to matching that. He's still the best QB in the NFL right now. And uh, he showed you why yesterday. And then, of course, uh, you know, who was most impressive as well? I thought that the Vikings, although didn't look as dominating as the other two, they looked the most, you know, balanced as far as dominating on defense, uh, beyond efficient on offense. Um, and Kirk Cousins, 273 or 275 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, you know, handed it off, passed it when he needed to. That's exactly what you need out of him. And, uh, you know, that I think that's the, the Vikings have found that perfect balance, that perfect formula. Justin Jefferson looked like the best receiver in football yesterday. Adam Thielen, obviously Dalvin Cook. I mean, it was just it, it's an impressive offense, Kevin. They got that new head coach, an offensive-minded head coach. In yeah. that. Vikings look pretty good. Vikings definitely look good. We both picked in the win at AFC North and take NFC over. North. Yeah, yeah, yeah. take over the NFC North and win that division, taking it from the Green Bay Packers. And now they technically have a two-game lead over the Green Bay Packers since they won in week one. Uh, and then, of course, the you know the teams that kind of were pretty concerning. Uh, I thought the Cardinals, the way that they lost. It, look, you can lose. You're allowed to lose. I don't care if teams lose, but it's how did you go about doing it? The Cardinals got blown out. When you have an, uh, a, a quarterback that you just gave a lot of money to that was an MVP favorite two months into the season last year, hoping to see that they were able to put things together in the offseason, and for him to look um, you know, as small as he did, and that wasn't a height joke. I know people like to do that with Kyler Murray, but the <laughs> offense in him just looked small in that game. They did not look like they were a well oiled machine and there's they, they should have chemistry by now. This is a, a, a group and a unit that's been together for a few years. There's really no excuse. So you look at that, look at Green Bay, the way that they lost, not that they lost, the way they lost. Devontae Adams with the Raiders had more total receiving yards than all of the total receiving yards for the Packers wide receivers combined. It's unacceptable. I mean, you have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to kind of balance the game out a little bit, but those two both ran for a hair under 50 yards apiece to begin with. No one in the run game's dominating. The pass game fell flat. The Packers are in trouble if that continues. And then I capped it off with the most concerning team in week one, and that was the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Not because I'm a hater. I put them as the most concerning guys because unlike the Packers and unlike the Cardinals, like this is a team that was in the Super Bowl a year ago and has everything you would think that they would need to get back. This is a Super Bowl caliber team on paper, uh, and they did not look like that yesterday. Joe Burrow did not look like the leader that he was at the second half of last season. He looked like more of that indecisive turnover machine that he was in the first half of last year. Uh, he led the league in interceptions till about week 12 or 13 last year before he finally kind of the game kind of slowed down for him. I thought, yes, the Steelers defense is great. Joe Burrow just looked really, really bad. The coaching was really, really bad. The long snapper, the backup, yes, did technically play a role, but it should not have come down. When you, when the defense played as well as they did and held Trubisky and the Steelers' offense to as low as they did, it shouldn't have come down to a long snapper having to hold for you to kick the game as you know regulation expires. Same thing in overtime. So that's all. That's just really kind of what I don't want to hear about a long snapper. Please spare me with the long snapper excuse. The problem with the Bengals came long before we were even aware of the long snapper issues starting to put a thumbprint on that game to begin with. 518-1410 reaction uh, to the Bengals. Uh, most concerning to the most impressive. Uh, we'll get into the Browns around the corner as well. For me, the Browns were just eh. Well, the defense looked great. They played the Panthers. 
Offensive line was horrible. They're going to make a lot of defenses look like that. I need to see it against a better quality opponent before I get excited. Uh, but I think that the Steelers and the Bengals should both feel good about their defenses as of yesterday. Five one eight fourteen ten. Kev, who's up next? Nick, line two. What up, Nick? How are you, sir? Oh, you know how it goes, buddy. <laughs> you so win some, you lose some. I got three areas of blame for the Bengals. It starts with Zach Taylor running four new starters out on an offensive line against an aggressive team like the Steelers, playing absolutely zero preseason snaps, no communication against real live other bank, other than playing your own team with stupidity. And I'm sorry, I know Kappa and Collins was hurt and things. You've got to get reps and communication as an offensive line on a team like the Steelers who stunt and blitz and bring people from every which way. Just stupidity. I'm with you. And, you know, someone brought up this up last week. And I really didn't put a lot of stock into it. Maybe it was you. I don't remember. Someone had called in and said that the reason they're concerned about the Bengals in week one is because Zach Taylor mirrored everything that the Rams did uh, with Sean McVay, his former you know, boss. And he approached the preseason the same way. And because of that and because of how the Rams looked, that that's what they think the Bengals are going to look like. And there was something to it. It, it. it was me. And then so my, my second one is Darren Simmons. Who is, and I can't believe nobody's, talk, nobody's talked this about this, or at least I've never heard this, right? Or nobody's brought this up. In a situational football game, my wife looks over and she why are we kicking on third down? I say, hey, in case there's a bad snap, the, kicker, the, the holder's going to eat it, and mm-hmm. we'll, get, we'll get the live and kick on fourth down. Why is Kevin Huber, who we kept as a veteran, <laughs> still on this team when he's the one that rushed it down and put it down and Evan McPherson's trying to kick it with the laces? I don't understand. Then Kevin Huber got off a veteran 14 or 15 seconds on the play clock and snapped in the ball. I mean, Drew Christman, give him you know, all the love in the world, he's a Buckeye, but does he make these mistakes? If he is, then we can live with it. It's a fresh punt. This is a veteran of 20-some years who broke the record for most Bengal games played, and he's on this roster and made two costly mistakes. It's just there were so many. It's like, and by the way, there's not one team this week, and there will not be one team for the remainder of the season that will play a perfect Sunday with zero mistakes. There's always, and especially when you lose, it's always easy to go back and nitpick the those uh, you know mistakes. If the Bengals make that field goal at the end, we're talking about the concerns, and we're talking about the O line, and we're, but it's the loss that just kind of magnified everything. But man, I'm still what I can't get over, and that's a I didn't. Even, I mean, that points you just brought up are good, but not challenging that. Jamar Chase oh, touchdown. That one, yeah. The game's over if they do that. Like that's nauseating, man. Well, like I said, to me, I mean, you're drilling in, especially if you're, spe- you know, like you're a special teams coach, right? You should be drilling that into Hubert. Hey, backup snapper, bad snap. It's third down. It's third down right now. So if it's bad, just fall on it. Mm-hmm. Well, we got fourth down. But instead, he's in the high snap. He grabs it, throwing it down. Like just lay on it. <laughs> You, I mean, that's, those are the things that should be happening on the sideline, and it's like, what were the coaches doing at that time? Yeah, I, I thought Zach Taylor looked lost. I, that just didn't look like a coaching staff coming off of a season where I thought he did his best coaching. I thought that the players responded to him a year ago, and I'm not saying they're not responding to him now. That's big-time overreaction. I just thought for a coaching staff that looked like they came into their own last year, they looked like that Bengals staff from 2020, and I don't get that. I'm not going to overreact and say that's who they are, you know, but this is just reacting to week one, and I thought they looked very unprepared, and they just looked very out of sync, and I think a lot of it has to do with preseason, but I do think that they've been feeling themselves. I do believe, and by the way, that's not their fault. Every team that gets 
to a Super Bowl. You know, you you know what I mean? Like that's okay. That happens. But when people bring those things up as a concern, this is why. And I think that was on full display uh, yesterday afternoon. I couldn't have said it better that he they mirrored exactly what the Rams did, thinking that. And that's where the difference is. The Rams didn't add any people to make improvements where the Bengals went out and spent this money on three brand-new starters. Now, granted, they thought Jackson Kerman was going to start at left guard. Yeah, he was on the team last year, but he played right guard all season Mm -hmm. long. So he still would have been starting a new position. And and the offensive line, it's all about communication. It's all about knowing when to switch off the the twists and the turns. And that's why you've got to have some reps. And you can do that in practice. But at the same time, you know guys, especially nowadays with the light, as light as practices are, aren't simulating nowhere anything near what we saw that first quarter. Pittsburgh came out hungry. Pittsburgh came out angry from the two you-know-what weapons that they got last year. And I'm pretty sure Mike Thomas was drilling that in this whole week. You guys got embarrassed by the Bengals, and it showed. I feel bad for the Steelers and, and losing Watt because he's a hell of a player. And you could just tell on his face when he when he came up that sign like he was definitely hurt bad. Yeah, but Nick, hey man, great hearing from you, man. We'll talk soon. Yep. Yes. Um, but no, Nick just said it, Kevin. On Friday, remember I got ripped up and down because I said Steelers they're going to be in good shape because they know they got their ass kicked last year. But just so you guys know, you want to know why the Steelers came out physical and hungry against the Bengals? Because everything you guys tell us about how good your team is, the Bengals or the Steelers confirmed that on Sunday. They don't come out with that energy against a bum team. It's everything I said on Friday. The NFL respects them now. Every team respects them now. Every coaching staff is preparing a little harder for them now, uh, you know, in film, Kev. And, and mentally, these players, the, Beng- the Steelers defensive players, they're going to bed thinking of the Bengals for once and not, you know, <laughs> in years past, they're just like, oh, it's almost like a little mini bye week tomorrow. Your team is good. I'm telling you they're good. I agree with you. But they did not play good, and I told you why they weren't going to play good on Friday. And you guys said, I mean, like I said, when did the, when in the world in sports talk radio did saying that the Steelers are going to beat your team become a hot take? <laughs> I've never understood that, Kev. <laughs> yeah, man. The, the things that the Pittsburgh Steelers did defensively was just different from what they normally do. Normally, like, they're blitzing uh, off the uh, A-gaps and, you know, letting T.J. Watt do his thing. Like, they play a lot of coverage, and they play a lot of dime, putting a lot of DBs on the field because they were able to take away the run. I thought I talked about this in the first segment, but the ability for them to stop the run is this the key for the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers because they predicate themselves on making plays on the back end. That is why when Minka Fitzpatrick was traded to this team, that defense took off. It got back looking like it was supposed to look. But last year, they couldn't look like that because they could not stop the run. Devin Bush was not good last year. Spillane was not good last year. Those are your two inside linebackers. You make that free agent acquisition to get Miles Jack, and then Brian Flores is out there. So you bring in one of the best linebacker coaches to coach up Devin Bush. He played good football yesterday. even played some good coverage on a wheel route out of the backfield from a running back. So you get the run defense playing better. That means your secondary guys, like a Mika Fitzpatrick, can do what they do and for the Cincinnati Bengals I think they saw some stuff that they didn't see from the Pittsburgh Steelers in years past at least the last two years because over the last two years Mika Fitzpatrick was playing in the box he wasn't out there at the free safety spot he was basically playing a a glorified linebacker but for me if I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan I'm not jumping off the bridge right now like they could have won the game easily because 
they stymied the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. We're going to talk about Mitchell Trubisky. We're going to talk about that offensive line being bad. Whatever the case may be, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense did absolutely nothing. If it was the Steelers' bad offense or if it was the Bengals' good defense, they didn't do anything. So for the Cincinnati Bengals to have that many turnovers, to be that sacked that many times, and still basically have the game won on a, 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 a play and then it basically ending because it was a high snap and Mika Fitzpatrick was able to get back there and block it. I'm, I'm, if I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, obviously I'm mad, but I'm like, all right, look, that's not going to happen again, right? You're not going to throw four interceptions again, right? We're 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 not going to only rush for 85 yards again, right? Like these are things like, all right, it's a bad loss because we turned the ball over left and right, but that's got to be yeah. the absolute worst game we could possibly play on offense. It's got to be. It doesn't get any worse than that. It's just done outside of you know the Steelers versus the Browns in the playoffs. Like that's that's what that was. And guess what? The Browns blew the Steelers out. But in this case, the Steelers hung on to win, you know. So the Cincinnati Bengals fans, y'all would be perfectly fine. Y'all would be okay. Y'all go back to the drawing board. Y'all score a lot of points. Y'all do a lot of things. One thing I do want to give props to on the Cincinnati Bengals, Jamar Chase, only one drop. Only one drop. Last year, throughout the season, he had a lot of drops. I think he led the league in he drops. Was, he, he, was, led, he was he led all rookies with drops last he, year. He had that catch. <laughs> I know everybody's talking about the one he and caught that probably should have been a touchdown everything like that. The other one, the one-handed one where his foot was out of bounds, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, and that was a dime. That was a dime. It like, was a dime throw and a great catch. Foot out of bounds, though. And that's the thing. Like, Joe Burrow had the best worst game of the weekend. Like, he made good throws. He connected on some very impressive passes. Him and Jamar, even on Joe Burrow's worst day, him and Jamar are in sync, man. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, it was amazing. I started looking at Jamar Chase's stat line. I'm like, you know, the Bengals' offense is playing horrible. <laughs> it reminded me of the Raiders game. Carr did not look good at all, but d- him and Devontae Adams. I They're think on Carr, the same page. Carr and Adams' chemistry is very similar to Burrow and Jamar Chase's. Now, relax. I'm not saying Carr's better than Burrow. I just said their chemistry, though. Like, Carr did not have a good day yesterday, but he had a very good day with Devontae Adams. Burrow did not have a good day yesterday. He had a great day with Jamar Chase. So to sum up this thing, you know, when it comes to the Bengals, folks, you think I'm beating on them. I'm not. I'm, they were, when I said they're the most concerning team yesterday, they were. That was embarrassing. That was bad. That was Joe Burrow turning the ball over five times. You're supposed to criticize your quarterback if he does that. You could do the whole, you know, oh, well, you know, the long snapper's why he threw four interceptions thing, which is very weird to me. It has nothing to do with anything. But if that's, the, if that's how you want to sleep better at night, fine. But I'm going to be screaming in your ear the whole time, like, hey, Long snapper has nothing to do with Joe Burrow throwing four interceptions and fumbling it five times. And another couple interceptions were dropped. Let's just be clear. There were even more interceptions on the board. Um, but the bottom line is, is Joe Burrow played his worst game ever. The I think Zach Taylor coached his worst game ever. Um, I thought that special teams obviously was horrendous. All of those things, Kev. All of those things. <laughs> yeah. And they still... Yeah. Had not one, not two, not three, but five chances to win towards the end of regulation and in overtime. That's a good thing because better te- teams that played better than the Bengals got their ass kicked yesterday, and you yeah. didn't. It. Look, it, you're fine. Like I, I you know, I, <laughs> it is what it is. It's it just it's one of those where you're you're sick about it. And if you lose the division by a game, you're going to rewind all the way back to September 11th yesterday and remember that this game is why we didn't make the playoffs. Or not, no, no, no. 
maybe if you miss the game, the playoffs by a game, or miss winning the division by a game, you're going to remember that game yesterday. Yeah, That's just sure. the reality of it. But I, Joe Burrow, will not have a game worse than he played yesterday. I can promise you that. And I'm a hate, I'm a hater. Remember. <laughs> so, there you go. On the flip side of that, speaking as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, had to have it, had to have it because when T.J. Watt is coming off the field and you read his lips, I tore my pack is torn automatically, not to say I'm a doctor or anything like that, but my mom was a nurse for 40 years. That's a season ender if it's torn. So in my head, I immediately went to like, that sucks. All right. So if he's out for the season, we got to win this game. Yep. You know, we can't have the double win. We can't lose him for the season and lose this game. So I got one of the two. You know, I would obviously rather have TJ White for the rest of the season. To be perfectly honest. <laughs> so there you go. But all right, five one eight fourteen ten. Five one eight fourteen ten. Someone called me out, William Yelly. Uh he where did his message go? He said, Oh, when I talked about the Bengals being the the worst uh the, that to me was the worst uh, game of the weekend as far as worst performance of the weekend. The reason I put the Bengals as the worst, most concerning performance of the weekend is because they had the highest of all expectations for all the teams that lost. Name another team that lost that has uh, had as high as expectations as the Bengals, or at least lost in that manner. The Rams were defending Super Bowl champs. That was concerning. But I think that the Bengals was even more concerning because the Rams lost to a way better team. In my opinion. So, William says the worst is the Cowboys, and it's not even close. Are you kidding me, Kenner? The Cowboys, the reason it's not worse is because we've said all offseason, Cowboys have no offense. They have no receivers. They traded Amari Cooper away. And C.D. Lamb's not a one, number one wide receiver. He's a true number two. It's embarrassing he's wearing number 88, to be honest with you. And it, they gave Gallup uh, yeah. that big contract off a knee injury. Not the problem that they gave him a contract, but he's not out there on the field. Yeah. It'd be a different story if he was on the field. They would have him and C.D. Lamb out there. Then, then you'd got to be working with something. But the ability for them just to push the ball down the field was not there at all, at all, and drop passes. So the, re- the reason I don't have the Cowboys in my most concerning is because I had no high expectations for the Cowboys to begin with. Um, for me, it was one of those, like, I was concerned that Dak was not going to be able to throw the ball all around the field like he used to because he has no one to throw it to, very similar to the Packers. The difference is, is I have higher expectations for Aaron Rodgers, which is why I had the Packers in my most concerning list than I do for Dak Prescott. The Cowboys, you know why that's not concerning, guys? Because they did what they were technically expected to do. They were expected to struggle offensively. In fact, they were technically expected to get their ass kicked more on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think the I don't think the Bucks looked very good offensively. Ron said earlier, I think the Bucks looked the most well-rounded. That's another homer speaking about his Buccaneers. They did not look good either, uh, but you know they got bailed out because the Cowboys' offense was non-existent. So, yeah. William, I understand what you're saying. They look like a disaster. I I feel you. I just I always try to incorporate expectations with results and not who looked the worst because there were teams that looked worse than the Bengals. Uh, you know, but it was just one of those things where I think the Cowboys looked worse than the Bengals. Yeah, to be fair, but the Bengals Bengals had expectations, and that's why I put them as the most concerning. To the Dallas Cowboys point, you know, C.D. Land wearing 88, you know, Michael Irvin's number, 11 targets, only two receptions. Like, come on, dude. Come on. Yep. Like, like that <laughs> is crazy. You got targeted 11 times, and you only got two catches. Like, I, I know you and I differ about Dak, but... Could all this be chalked up to the lack of preseason reps and real game reps in the preseason? I don't know. I personally think you get better reps out of practice than preseason when you're going out there for one drive and then 
putting on a baseball cap the rest of the game. But I guess we'll never know because Dak has broken his thumb and he'll be out for like, what, six, seven weeks and is getting a pen put in it. So they're cooked. By the way, uh, Josh Allen played a lot in the preseason, looked the best. Patrick Mahomes played a lot in the preseason, also looked the best. I think just because Sean McVay, anything he says or does, the league follows. That's just it. I don't know. It just that's fascinating to me. Let's do another call before we take another pause in the action. Five one eight fourteen ten. Kev, who's up? B O B Bob line three. Bob, how are you, sir? Welcome. Bob, you still there? Bobby. Bob, call back, sir. We'll get you back to the front of the line. Let's go to Ron, I believe. Ron, how are you? Man, how do you disrespect my team like that, man? I didn't disrespect your team. Your team disrespected us by playing as boring as they did last night. My goodness. I mean, Tom Brady, instead yeah. of getting plastic surgery for 11 days, should have been uh, practicing with his team. My goodness. Tight, I tight, was, tight, tight. Uh, my eyes were you as tightly closed doing? as his cheekbones right. were. I was asleep. I couldn't even watch that whole boring mess. They're taking some relief off of it. They're running the football. I mean, Fournette had a hell of a game. You know who runs the and football? Team? Teams who can't pass. <laughs> anyway, I ain't listening to this. But did you um, just sneeze or cough? I'm just curious. It was a cough. Okay, I got aller- I got allergies. No, so. but no. In all seriousness, yeah. I mean, look, the Bucks got to win. I picked the Cowboys to win because I was just kind of hoping that they would find that balance with the run game. Like the Packers and the Cowboys had very similar games where the quarterbacks just looked out of sync because they have no one to throw to. They wanted to rely on the run game. The run game just wasn't stable enough to kind of outdo it. Uh, But you are right. Leonard Fournette did look really good. It's a name you always forget about. And I like Julio Jones. In fact, after the game, Ron, I like giving you crap about your team. But I went and I I was able to pick up Julio Jones and my fantasy team off waivers just because uh, Godwin went down. I had Godwin as my starter, by the way. He goes I, so I had to go grab a Julio Jones off waivers, by the way. So we'll see. They said it. They said it wasn't his knee; it was a hamstring. So is it I hamstring? Mean, so what, is it maybe it's overcompensating from the knee injury, right? I don't know. I mean, they might have pushed him in too soon. But I'm telling you what, that team's got a lot of depth at everywhere. I'm telling you, and uh, I ain't worried about them. Like even like oh the O line, Brady's going to get his ass kicked and all this stuff. Well. He had, he didn't get pressured that much. He had a few sacks, but I mean nothing like blitzes. No, I mean, Cowboys don't have the best got, pass rush, but that they do have Micah Parsons, who who was impressive. But they don't have a lot of depth. The Cowboys don't look. Ron, I'm, I like to give you crap about the Bucks, but they're pretty good. They'll, they'll be there when it's all said and done. At least one of the teams, you know, competing at the end. Um, but uh, no, it was just a boring yeah. game. I thought that a lot of exciting games yesterday. Yeah. I thought that one was uh, that was a big snoozer. But at least your team comes out with a win and a snoozer. So that's all that matters. Shoot, uh, you're right. You're right. I was watching the games at home, and obviously after the Pittsburgh and Bengals game, like you're riding that high, and then it really <laughs> goes into the Cardinals and Kansas City, and it's a blowout from the jump. So I'm like, oh, man. And then I'm like, all right, well, cool. We got Tampa and Dallas, and like that was a snooze fest, too. So the, uh, the games that I watch outside of that was just boring. Yeah, yep. boring. Like yeah, watching I want to see what they Iowa. do. Yeah, I'm sorry, Kev. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what did um wasn't there something said about um you know the Scott Frost thing about uh who beat them this week? It was uh Was it Georgia Southern who beat Nebraska? No. Yeah. I don't think so. Either way, they lost to a matter. team. Oh no, they they lost uh, they they lost to a team they had no business losing to, but uh what about it, Ron? 
Well, the announcer after the game said uh, they made a comment. They said, uh, we like corn. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, that's like a, just a kick in the butt, you know. Yeah, but, but getting fired three yeah. games in is also a kick in the butt, too. That ain't good. But, yeah, hey, Ron, Georgia Southern, yeah. But, Ron, we're up against the clock, man. I hate to cut you off. Appreciate you waiting on hold. We'll talk soon, man. Uh, yes, his Buccaneers, 1-0. Win over the Cowboys. We didn't even get to the Cleveland Browns. We're going to get to the Cleveland Browns coming up now. We're number two. Uh, but phone lines are going to remain open. A lot of action going on in the chat section. We'll continue to get to that and react to that in a moment. We've got college football around the corner we'll dive into. Kevin and I are off the next two days because of Reds baseball, so we're trying to cram everything into today's show. Uh, so be patient with us, but we're going to get to your team as soon as we can. But you can also bring your team to the conversation by calling in. 518-1410. Phone lines are open. I know, Bob, we cut you off a little bit ago. We'll get you back to the front of the line. A couple of you still waiting. Um, but, yeah, let's take more of your calls. We'll talk, of course, about the Browns' win over the Panthers and why I just – I don't know. I thought that game was kind of boring, too, even though I had an exciting finish down the stretch. But uh, kudos to the Steelers and the Bengals. That was the game of the weekend, <laughs> not just because the Steelers won, but, I mean, just the excitement and the back and forth and just the, the drama. And, yeah, it was it was exciting. The but, stress. Yeah, the stress, yeah. <laughs> um, But, yeah, 518-1410, more of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash when we come back. Listen, stream, watch. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash right here on Dayton.